When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everybody, welcome back to the Talking City podcast with your multimedia and YouTube host, Conor McGilligan. I am joined, I'm going to say as always, but it kind of is at the minute, Joe. It's a bit of a rotation substitution role between you and Cy, but I am joined by your Manchester City writer, Joe Bray. Joe, how are you doing, mate? It's just like the City first team, minute. Anyone can come in and out and hopefully do a good job, but yeah, I'll uh, I'll try and live up to size size expertise. That's it. That's it. Another <laughs> another day off the podcast for Sai, which is uh, it's not right. But I just like to say uh, a big. I don't know if you saw this, Joe, but we've broken into the top one hundred podcast listens for this week, uh, which is which is great news. Uh, the Talking City podcast seems to be flying, so we really appreciate all of you guys. Um, you know, uh, respecting the effort, and it's great to hear you guys contribute on YouTube and leaving those five star re- uh, reviews and all that sort of good stuff. So really appreciate that, but. Enough of that waffle. We're here to talk about Manchester City. We're here to talk about another win, Joe Bray. It's getting a bit boring now, isn't it? Do you know what? Every single game I've been to recently has just been a really good game. And Saturday was no different. We, we thought that, you know, City had cantered to a 4-5-6-0 win against Forest, And all the talk leading up to it had been, they're creating all these chances, but are they scoring enough? And are they being too wasteful? And... You know, two goals in 15 minutes suggest they had a point to prove and then Rodri does what Rodri does and it was a another game. But, I, you know, I've, I've been to the West Ham game, the Sheffield United. I mean, I wasn't at Fulham, but that was also had a bit of jeopardy in it. Every single game has had something about it and has been a just a good game for the neutral as well, I think. So, you know, people do slag off City for sort of being too good and a bit boring, but... It's, there's been a lot of sort of riding on each game and it's uh, it's been quite good to watch this season. It has. It, it really has. Like I said to you the other day, the only time I've been down was Red Star midweek. Mm-hmm. But it was, it was fantastic. You know, a really good game, a really good game. And Red Star came and, you know, gave it their all and, and were good for periods. Very good on the counter. It's at me and you have spoken about that in person. But overall, it, once again, and we're going to get onto this, Joe, it, it showed a different side of Manchester City's game, even against Red Star. Belgrade, you know, Pep spoke about afterwards, lack of ruthlessness in front of goal and and, and City have built on that, of course, but I, I think we should consolidate that point, really, because I was talking about Phil Foden adding goals to his game, Joe. I was consistently battering on that wall and mm-hmm. saying, you know, where are these goals coming from? Because Alvarez is adding goals to his game in that sort of like dual number 10 role with Phil Foden, but now especially after the weekend, we've got to open the conversation. I mean, what a fantastic, fantastic goal by Phil Bowden and a really solid performance from him. Yeah, and uh, we'll get on to the second half, but I think his defensive work as well was really good and Gareth Southgate was watching in the stands and I think that won't have gone unnoticed by both of Foden's managers. But yeah, that that goal, the sort of quarterback pass from Rodri, the run from Kyle Walker, the cushioned ball back into Rodri and the way he just like, 
lashes it but guides it into the bottom corner. It was one of them goals where everyone's looking around saying that is a just that move. And then we see the stat that it came from 46 passes, which I don't think has been done since uh, 2007 in the Premier League, which is just underlines that what City can do. They can keep the ball, move it from side to side, wait for the opening. And then as soon as Walker makes that run, Rodri's waiting for him. He plays the ball over the top and it's just, it was ruthless and it was such a satisfying goal to watch. And you can see the players, they, they were so happy with it as well. You can, it, you just look like Rodri and uh, Foden and Walker were all absolutely delighted that they'd played the part in that goal. So it was, uh, I think, especially after the build-up and all the talk of however many chances they missed and Guardiola was saying, you know, don't write Haaland off because it'll make you look silly and as long as we're creating the chances, we'll keep scoring to score early and score a goal like that. Um, summed up City, I think. Booze that is defying everything again, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. it's almost like proven all the time. You know, we've sp- we, me and you have spoken about maybe Alvarez at points, you know, not been included in the side and why is that the case? And then we've spoken about Phil Foden not getting on the score sheet. Uh, Pep's been asked about it as well. You know, there's been obviously questions over over Nunes and Kovacic when they've started for Man City, questions over Guardiola and questions very, very recently and then and answered by Pep Guardiola on, as we mentioned at the start, the lack of ruthlessness and, you know, answered straight away, City are, City are 2-0 up inside 15 minutes and you're thinking, I mean, Forrest, there's going to be half, there's going to have to be some ridiculous response already for Nottingham Forest to get back in this game and it's testament really, isn't it, Joe, to this side just improving, just that little bit, that modicum every single week and and, and the 2-0 starting inside 15 minutes was just evidence of that. Yeah, especially with all the, all the key players missing, you've got Nunes in his first Premier League start for City, you've got um, Foden, he's still not played in that position a lot. Neither is Alvarez. They're having to step up when Bernardo isn't there, when De Bruyne isn't there. Gundogan's not there either. Um, I mean, Guardiola was talking about the sort of transition from playing with the ball and moving forward with passes to actually his players now carrying the ball forward. And you've got players like Doku, Guardiola, um, Nunes, who can do that more than perhaps previous players have been able to, but Guardiola was talking up the ability of those players to run with the ball through the lines. And then you've got all the players around Haaland. Foden's inside, Alves is there. The defence don't really know what to do and you've got at least one free player in those situations. And they were doing that against Forest, but then they put together that 46-pass move and show that even these new players who haven't been playing under Guardiola that long can still do that role and and play the ball and just work it slowly and, and wait for that, that opportunity. So... I think it was. I think that first half year I've been really, really pleased with how the new players sort of went back to basics, if you like, in sort of the the old city, the the last season city, which used the ball a lot more than than the new look city have been this season, and a lot of that's because of the injuries, but also the the profile of the new players and to have such a disjointed side and a lot of injuries, and they've not had a settled side yet this season to to put a move like that together, and then. I mean, Alvarez and Foden are running over the ball and playing one-twos and Nunes is going to the byline and, and putting that ball in for, for Haaland to score his goal. It's, it's It was just lovely, lovely football and uh, Forrest didn't really know what hit them and I think it was quite telling that Forrest's early game plan was to to hound Nunes, really. They, they targeted him and Awayin, I can't say his name, Tyro Awayini. Um, he, 
he was a nuisance in that dropping deep midfield, dispossessing and running with the ball. And we know he did it at United and they went 2-0 up and they've had a rotten luck in terms of the fixtures, haven't they, Forrest, with... I think it's Chelsea away, Arsenal away, United away and City away in the first fixtures, but they've given all of them a game and you can see why they did it because they had that midfield and they had that plan to catch them on the break, but City just didn't let them have the ball. They didn't let them even get close to the ball and, uh, yeah, got that 2-0 lead and Forrest, until the red card, didn't have any answer to it. No, they didn't. I mean, oh, you just mentioned it there in terms of uh, <laughs> the, the the individual that I was going to touch on next. Are you... I've always spoke about it once again after the Red Star game, um, the City cameo. But uh, are, you, are you happy with Matias Nunes at the minute? I thought once again at the weekend, he's. Um, yeah, I mean, he's Pep, Pep was bang on, wasn't he? In terms of his, uh, in terms of him as a midfielder, and you know, him being one of the better, better midfielders in the world at the time. But you can see right now in this City side how he just fits like a, a glove, really. Again, pleasantly surprised with how he's done. I, I did think early on he might be sort of out-muscled in that midfield, but he he recovered and he put his foot on the ball and he he is different to any other midfielder City have got and even different to, to Gundogan really in terms of who they've lost because he will run with the ball. He's got very good footwork, which I hadn't clocked when he was at Wolves and his, uh, yeah, his, his play with Foden and Alvarez and the quick one-twos and running to the byline, that does bode well for City, I think, and... He, I mean, he's he's off the mark with his assist, and now I think he's um, he's been he's he's got up to speed very very quickly, which I didn't think would happen. I thought he might be one of these who needs a little bit of time just to feel his way in, but maybe that wasn't the plan. They probably aren't accounting for injuries to De Bruyne and Bernardo and Kovacic, but he's come in and he's done uh, he's done very well in his first couple of games. I didn't expect him to be as good as he is in sort of tight areas as well. Then if you've got that feel. Yeah, definitely in the box as well. He just sort of pops up and he's supporting Doku or Foden or whoever is on the wing. And he's offering that other... He's not just offering the, the, the pass back to keep possession, but he'll then do something with it and he'll he'll try and take his man on and create a chance himself. And he's always looking for Haaland, I thought, in, in the Forest game. He was always trying to swing it to the back post and that's how they got the goal. But also it, it resulted in another chance or two. And um, I've, yeah, I've... I feel like I should have been on top of Nunes a bit more. I think I wrote him off maybe a little bit in my head before he arrived, but uh, no, he's he's been uh, he's been a sort of a, quietly a very good player at the start of the season. Yeah, very very good, very impressed. Erling Haaland, uh, obviously back amongst uh, the yeah consistent scoring as as if that ever sort of like waned it definitely didn't but I, I think there was definitely a few questions over his head there's been constant questions in the press conference to Pep Guardiola not always negative but you know what, what as we've said Joe three or four times already why City not being as clinical and you naturally just revert to Erling Haaland there don't you a guy who scored 52 goals last season and yeah it's it, are we getting to a stage now with with Erling where it is just there's almost like a recognition similarly to Messi at points where you know that he's just not going to be involved in at large portions, you know, through large portions of the game, but there will be a goal there. There is almost a guaranteed goal there. Is that sort of the, the perception we should now have of Erling Haaland? Like he's not going to maybe take the game like thoroughly by the scuff of, scuff of the neck and he's just going to be there right place, right time. Or is that sort of diminishing what he's all about a little bit? I think he's always been about that, even at the start of the season last year when he was scoring hat-tricks every other game and he wasn't doing much because 
we were talking about how few touches he's had and that's what a lot of people were maybe criticising him about and forgetting the fact that he was still scoring all of these goals and it's it's similar this season. He's he's still scoring a goal a game and he's got a nice assist against Red Star and uh, Guardiola was very happy with that and I think it's two assists now this season. If he's adding that, he doesn't need to be involved all the time and just having Alvarez and having Foden close to him, it gives those defenders something else to think about and I mean he was never ever missing that header it helped that the Forest defence left him alone with the freedom of the uh, the 18 yard box but you got the feeling that he knows he's missed some chances I think a journalist worked out it was nine big chances what what constitutes a big chance I'm not sure but he has missed a lot of close range chances ones that you would expect him to score he was never ever missing that header against Forest, and I think had it been 11 against 11 for the rest of the game I'd backed him, as we said last time, to get a hat-trick just because he's that sort of player. He doesn't like to miss chances. When he celebrated against West Ham, it was relief and he acknowledged that he'd missed a couple of chances. He had all the ones against Red Star. I think there was relief as well against Forest. He let out a massive roar after he'd finished celebrating. His players, his teammates were all walking back and Haaland stays back and just roars to the crowd. And I think it just shows that he's aware he's missed some chances. He expects better of himself. So... Yeah, he's scoring a goal a game, plus that's what we expect from Haaland. His overall play will improve, and I think Guardiola put it right. If he con- The worry with Haaland is when he's not getting in chances and not getting in positions to score. Because he's doing that, it's much easier to get him scoring again when he's getting the chances. Um, and Guardiola put it fairly bluntly when he said, it's a dangerous game to criticise Haaland because you can criticise the manager, the full-backs, the midfielders, but don't criticise Haaland because he's going to score and you're going to have to apologise. So I think that came true after about 15 minutes on, on Saturday. It must be very dangerous to criticise Erling Haaland, but it's also been very dangerous to criticise Rodri. I have to say, Joe, <laughs> highly, highly, highly disappointed. Um, absolutely dominant. In my opinion, another classic Rodri performance in the first half. Stunning, stunning ball again to create the first goal and an, an absolute one well, in complete control. No sign, in my opinion, of real danger. City doing City things 2 0, going into half time. A moment of madness with Morgan Gibbs White, where you're looking at it and you're thinking, obviously, they're in the corner having a bit of rough and tumble, but Rodri gets into those sort of you know, um, sort of scuffles most games when he's, def- you know, he's defending the ball or he's getting involved in, you know, um, you know, I, I don't know, like like sort of um, scuffles with, with, with the opposition naturally, which you will in that defensive midfield position and, and, and showing your physicality and combative nature. But um, I, I to explain that, Joe, it was just a moment of madness, wasn't it? I mean, to put your hands on him, what was it? Was it two, three times in succession? I mean, the first time you probably think, oh, but he, he just completely lost it, hadn't he? Yeah, and I mean, Guardiola had been facing questions of is he is he the most complete midfielder in the world? Is he the best midfielder in Europe? And his early form this season has backed that up. And he started adding goals and we're talking about him being this sort of attacking midfielder and all-round player. And then he just goes and does something like that. And it's, I think, yeah, you put it right. It's completely out of character because, you know, Morgan Gibbs-White is a very good player, but he's also one who gets under your skin. So... It's not a surprise that he's going to try and 
get you in the book. So to then raise both of your hands to his neck, even if it's a quick shove, it's a red card. You've got no no defence at all. I think VAR took a minute or two to look at, but I think that just shows the inadequacies of, inadequacies of VAR because it was one replay was needed to tell you he's raised his hands above the neck. It's a red card. I saw a video and it was like maybe... Gibbs White has waited to go down and there's a tap from Foden and he, he gets that and he goes and yeah he's probably gone down easily but when you feel you someone you know throttling you you're probably going to go down I don't think there's any excuse for Rodri and it, you know the City fans didn't see the replay in the stadium so they gave him a stand innovation I think if they'd seen the replay it might have been a bit different however good Rodri is and however however much they love him and however well he has played this season that was stupid. I don't think anyone is sort of exempt from criticism in that regard. And he, he walked off the pitch and Guardiola blanked him until he passed. And then he gave him the death stare for about four or five seconds as he walked down the tunnel. So, yeah, after the game, Rodri went on the pitch, which I think was a bit foolish. And Guardiola has a, a bit of a point at Gibbs White. But it seems like, I mean, when Guardiola says we're not going to appeal or we shouldn't appeal and he's got no complaints, that, that tells you everything. So... Yeah, stupid. Uh, I don't think Rodri is exempt from criticism in that. And if anyone else had done it, they would. Uh, they'd be probably feeling the effects for a longer period. I was. I made the sort of connection to Jao Cancelo's red card against Fulham last season and Sergio Gomez at Copenhagen. They weren't sort of violent conduct, but they were stupid tackles with the last man. And Guardiola let them serve the ban, but he didn't bring them back initially because he wasn't happy with them. That decision, he, he thought. He can't trust those players. I mean, Cancelo never recovered. Gomez has probably only just started to come back as a left-back option. He he was preferred. I mean, there's about four or five players preferred at left-back after that for Gomez. And I think Guardiola on Saturday compared it to Walker at, at RB Leipzig just doing a stupid tackle. Completely unnecessary, putting your team in the mud. And then, I mean, this, the most senior players at City still get that, that treatment from Guardiola. So it... It will be interesting to see even when Rodri returns. We know he's an important player. He, I mean, logic says he should walk straight back into the team and if he's apologised, fair enough. But I wonder if there's going to be a sort of any lasting question marks from Guardiola on, on Rodri now. Now he's seen he can get dragged into something like that so easily. Yeah, and that's it's so, it's so interesting, isn't it? Because Guardiola is meticulous to the, the nth mm-hmm. degree and something like that it's not just we all know that Rodri's got it on the pitch but when there's probably been a lot of talk around captaincy like long-term captaincy recently you know we've been speaking about Kevin De Bruyne Kyle Walker obviously has the armband at the minute but Rodri I'd said it to you you know and I'd said it to Si like you know I look at Rodri and I think he's a staple in every single game for Manchester City he's performing 7-8 out of 10 every single game he's a leader on the pitch in my opinion this season and you're looking at it and you're thinking when he's in that conversation and then he's doing something and and I bet he has been in Pep's mindset when it comes to that captaincy just at least the discussion and when Pep sees him do something like that you know he might he might not trust um maybe Calvin Phillips hypothetically in that DM role but what he probably can trust is Calvin Phillips's temperament and, you know, that is something that can be controlled ultimately. You know, footballing ability is based on the individual getting better, et cetera, et cetera. But you feel that that, Joe, is the simplistic thing going into every football match, you know, keeping 11 men on the pitch. And it's it's very, very interesting, that word, isn't it? That particular word that Guardiola hails probably above all, it's trust. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think that's why it's so disappointing. Of all the players, Rodri's been so important and we speak of him as an undroppable player because City cannot cope without him really and the, the discussion has been, is Kovacic, is his arrival, is Nunes' arrival, are they able to give Rodri some rest? Because last season, Guardiola didn't trust Phillips in that position and had to sort of overplay Rodri and that's why Rodri had such a good season because he played so often but he's admitted and Guardiola has admitted that he can't play that that often again this year so you don't want him with all these injuries you don't want him to be missing important games coming up and um, yeah you know I, I compared it in a piece to to that Cancelo red card last season and a lot of the players were like don't be silly a lot of the fans sorry in, in the comments were saying don't be silly he'll walk straight back in he's apologised it's a, a one-off but Guardiola doesn't seem the type to forget things like this. He might bring Rodri back because City need him and he is so important, but yeah, I don't think this is the last we'll, we'll hear of that just because going back on previous incidents of key players getting sent off stupidly, Guardiola doesn't forget it and they need to show that trust over time that they're not going to do it again. Walker's done it. He did that red, silly red card at Leipzig he served his time a little bit he had a bit of a rough patch and now he's fought back so it's not I'm not saying by any stretch that Rodri will never play City again because that's absolutely not true but I think maybe Guardiola will think that's a side I've not seen to Rodri before and I'll need to monitor that and look look at how he's going to react when he does come back Definitely. It's going to be an interesting period of time, but we're going to be back, guys, in just a second where we'll be speaking Rodri replacements and games on the horizon. See you in a sec. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Talking City podcast. We've spoken about Rodri before. We've, we've, we've. It's like with a with a head teachers at school, Joe, and we're, and we've we've sent the pupil out or we've sent the pupil to stand against the wall. He's not in the good books. I'm sure Pep Guardiola will be giving him the same treatment. But now you've got to look at that next person who's going to be able to come in. And you know, you're looking at Arsenal and um, and thinking you know obviously Rodri's going to be out for that one they 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 obviously drew yesterday to Tottenham Hotspur Rice went down you're wondering if he's going to be out for that one as well Trossard didn't feature Martinelli so they're going to be significantly weaker but as we've spoken about Joe Rodri being out of this city side we were speaking about him last week and saying in what I was saying anyway that he's the most important Manchester City player he's he's the crux of that side so what what was nice, and we'll get onto this in, in, in just a little bit, but and I'll just briefly touch on it. But Calvin Phillips came in and probably had one of his best cameos he's had at Man City, which was which was massive. We'll get onto Kovacic coming back into it. Can he just drop into that defensive line role? Are you going to get Bernardo? You know, just dropping between the centre backs and, and and working it that way. There's there's a, a Nunes, obviously. There's a lot of possibilities there. But in your mindset, how does City recover from a problem like Rodri? Um, I think the two games before the Arsenal game should be all right. Kovacic was due to be back in training on Sunday, so 
he's the natural one to come in. Phillips has a chance. And as we'll get on to, he's described this week as the biggest in his City career. And I think that is a fair assessment. I think Nunes has shown that he can float about there. Bernardo, before he got injured, um, was playing at times in that defensive midfield role. So you can do that. You can also have some of the um, some of your defenders pushing up. Is John Stones going to be back, for example, in, in two weeks? Might be hit and miss, but you could have a situation where you've got Stones, Bernardo and Kovacic back and suddenly you can cope with a, a sort of a fluid formation that does sort of patrol and address that defensive midfield area. Um, so I think they can do it. I think it's absolutely not ideal and Guardiola has made it clear that he's not going to play too many senior players at Newcastle in the Cup. He said, I mean, you've got the uh, trip to RB Leipzig as well in the mid- in the middle of it where Rodri will be able to play, someone else can have a rest. Um, that will be able to prepare the side a bit better for, for Arsenal. So it, it can be done. It it will depend a bit on, on injuries and I think Kovacic coming back, if he can feature this week, will be probably the most important of those those options. But then you've got a, a genuine chance for the first time in since he signed for Calvin Phillips. So um, it's not ideal. We've spoken about Rodri as a undroppable player and the most important. And when you look at that Arsenal game, he's probably, when everyone's fit, the first person on your team sheet. But he's not. So I think City will cope. If Declan Rice is out, that potentially will level that midfield battle. Um, but it's up to the the new signings and the previous players to, to show that what City couldn't show last year and that they do have an alternative for, for Rodri not being there. Is that what you'd, you'd, look, you'd look for a little bit of a mix in there or would it be just a direct replacement, Calvin Phillips for Rodri? What would you do? I think Phillips will play against Newcastle, um, probably against against Wolves. Maybe that's one for, for Kovacic to come back if he's had a week of training. Um, then Rodri will play against Leipzig and then it's. I, I think it will be Kovacic against Arsenal. But we've seen him play more more attacking when he's played, so we've not actually seen him as a as an out and out defensive midfielder. So I would imagine it might be Kovacic and then say I don't know John Stones or Gavardiol coming coming in, assuming Stones is available. We don't know um, someone like that to come in and, and add another body into um, into the midfield. And yeah, Rico Lewis might play against Newcastle and and invert in that that position as well. So it's. Uh, it's going to be, they've got a couple of games to to prepare and Newcastle in the cup. Newcastle is a tricky game, but it's a cup game. So you can experiment a bit. Wolves away, also a tricky game, but you could, you should be winning that. So you've got a couple of games to experiment and find a system that, that works for the short term. I guess it's the, the trust element again with Phillips against Newcastle. You know, if he puts in a really good performance, Pep's going to be looking at that and thinking, right, okay, he can replicate that in a league. He's done it against a very decent Newcastle side just off the back of an 8-0 win. But at the same time, you know, if he is putting in a, a, a substandard performance and Newcastle are, are really able to gain control in that midfield, which you don't see teams doing against Manchester City, it's a bad indictment, isn't it? So you're just hoping this is a massive. It's not. It is a massive week, of course, but there is a. If he is going to start against Newcastle, it's. I mean, it's just a massive game, Calvin. Really, isn't it? Oh yeah, I think that would easily be the the biggest sort of appearance in his City career. 
Um, he's a different player, isn't he, to Rodri? So it's it's not entirely fair to compare them like for like. And I think Guardiola said when he came on against Forest, when City needed control, Phillips was tasked with getting the second balls and keeping the possession and stopping the flow of Forest's attack because there was a period where City looked to have lost their heads. Edison goes in um, against the attacker and puts head to head and you're thinking someone's going to get sent off again here. And if Forrest get one goal, they're probably going to get two. So they, they did well to, to weather that storm. And I think Phillips was integral to that. And I think it's fair to say it's it was his best appearance, you would say, in a, in a City shirt. And then we spoke to him after the game. He came through the mix zone and was keen to have a chat. And he basically said he's been waiting for an opportunity like that. And with, without saying he wants to get a player sent off or injured, you, you kind of have to sympathise with him in that respect because it is probably the only time he's going to get a guaranteed run of two or three games. Um, and he was saying he's he has had to wait. It's not been easy for him. He's had some times where he has been really down in the dressing room, but uh, he said he's ready. And um, he was like, he was never going to leave City this summer. He said, he, he clarified that situation with his potential loan move. He said City pulled him in and said, if you want to leave on loan, you can do and he said no it, it never crossed his mind there weren't any offers he would have listened to them but rejected them because he wants to say improve himself and he said he's not the type of person or player to leave after after a year and say oh well I've I've had a year at City I've won this that and the other and I'll, I'll pack up and leave now he said he wants to he, I mean word for word he said he wants to make his, a name for himself at City and he still believes he can do he looks at Grealish and Ake who've, who've had a better year uh, in the second year after a difficult first year and both of them sort of didn't come straight into the team in that second season they were players who probably the first few games had to wait and bide the time and whether it was an injury or a cup game or a sending off or something they then had to get the chance I mean Nathan Ake was so good last year because Cancelo threw his uh, toys out of the pram and, and left in January and they needed someone to, to play left back and similarly Jack Grealish waited fairly patiently until the World Cup really and then came back from the World Cup and was undroppable so it, it's not unheard of that a player like Phillips could come in and use this as an opportunity to show himself as a proper City player and I think Newcastle away is probably a really good game for him because it's not a championship side like he's played a couple of times it's not a dead rubber Premier League game it's a really really big game in a really difficult stadium against a very good team and like you say just scored eight um, it's not just a you know an early Carabao Cup game it's a big game against a, a big rival in terms of quality and a team that will probably be at the top end of the Premier League at the end of the season so he's got a chance to show that I would imagine Guardiola will say if you do well you'll keep your shirt for um, for Saturday and after that who knows I think he's he's been waiting and he said as much himself, he said he's he's waited for an opportunity like this, and now he's got to back himself and show it. But he 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 seemed quite defiant, and he was willing to stop and have a chat and say this is the biggest week. But he, he understands what's at stake, but he's ready for it. I think with Calvin Phillips and what you've seen at, with Jack Grealish as well is a lot of it is about recycling possession. Yeah, so I think maybe elements of the game that you'd have seen with Calvin Phillips at Leeds under Bielsa, getting the ball, spraying it, you know, 30, 40 yards and and, and that being the aim of, of what he's doing, Leeds going on the counter-attack really quickly, playing wide, Jack Grealish being that focal point for 
for Dean Smith, where it was like, you just go play it where you want, find their weakest player, and you go up against them and, and dribble and, and just cause them absolute nightmares. Wherever that, they've both been tasked with very specific roles at Manchester City to just constantly recycle possession and 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 sort of kill teams in that respect and join that that Manchester City fold. And I think with what you what you're going to have to see, in my opinion, from Calvin Phillips is a little bit more of a return to what he was maybe at Leeds United, which is, you know, where you're getting the ball and you're moving it quickly, but you're moving it really effectively. I think sometimes, Joe, he's a little bit lateral and a little bit safe in that position. I think when Rodri's out, you've got to replicate some of his best attributes, which definitely is distribution. Yeah, and it's tricky, isn't it? Because when he comes in, it's 10, 20 minutes here and there, and he's got to try and make an impression, but also show Guardiola that he can do the basics, which is win the ball, keep it, find a blue shirt, and let's... His job is probably to let someone else do the attacking. Like you say, he can have those those runs forward and those those sort of crossfield passes. But I think Guardiola wants him more to just be the sort of disruptor at the bottom of, of midfield. And it was I, I described his Forest game as his biggest performance because he had a job to do. He had a, a really big role, which was stop those counter attacks, stop the pressure from Forest, and hold on to that that three points. And he's probably never had as pressured a job to do in in sort of the times that he's come on before and sometimes he hasn't looked good when he's come on because he's maybe tried to do too much or I get the impression sometimes he gets the ball and he do, it's not a natural instinct what he has to do it's a mm-hmm. stop look around pass the ball and what we saw on Saturday was a bit more of a natural I know where this player is going to be now so maybe this week we'll see signs that he has adapted over the last year and he knows where his teammates will be, which maybe he hasn't always done. But no, I think the way he describes it as the biggest week in his City career probably shows that he is also aware that he needs, he, he doesn't just need to come in and put a six out of 10 performance in. He needs to come in and show that he can be as effective to that team as, as Rodri is, which is probably going to be quite difficult, but he's made a big, not a gamble, but he's he's made a big decision to stay at City and and back himself. So uh, now he's got a, he's got to do that, and he's got a run in the team which he's never had he has never had before. He he knows that there are three games where he's got a very good chance of playing. That's not happened in his first year, so he's got to use that and use. It's not like he's playing and he's going to lose his place the next game. He's got to use the sort of the knowledge that he might well play the next game and uh, perform just confidently and calmly and it will be very interesting to see how he does in the next week it's usually really really interesting um, guys we're going to be back for Act 3 where we're going to be talking Newcastle see you in a sec Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Talking City podcast. We've just been mentioning it a little bit in the second half, Joe, where primarily we're talking about Calvin Phillips and Rodri and how this new balance is going to work. Maybe we're going to have a little bit of a mix of different profiles in there. Newcastle away, as we've said, or as I've said, off the back of an 8-0 win, they seem to have had a really good week in terms of beating Brentford 1-0. I think they've had three clean sheets. Um, they've obviously gone out to Milan, run under the cosh a little bit. I think they faced 25 shots, but they, they came through resilient, nearly won it in the end as well through Longstaff. And and they've just, well, I mean, they've absolutely disemboweled Sheffield United yesterday, which was 
um, a tough watch, I think, at points. But yeah, they're, they're going steady. They're going well. And it seems like they're at the, the, after a slow start, they're getting into it a little bit, mate. Yeah, City always get easy, easy cup draws, don't they? But uh, it's probably one of the most difficult games that they could have drawn at this stage, especially they, would, they wouldn't have known what Newcastle were going to do in the last week. But uh, Newcastle will be full of confidence after a bit of a, a ropey start. And yeah, they were ruthless, absolutely brutal against Sheffield United. I think helped in a large part by a Sheffield United defence who gave up after the third goal. But you've still got to put that pressure on. And I mean, we see City time and time again, just sort of run down the clock, if you like, and and see the bigger picture and think, right, we've got four. We don't need to go and get five and six. Newcastle were going for as many as they physically could. And uh you know think, that? Have you, seen, have you seen that meme where it's like, stop, he's already dead from The Simpsons? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like that. It, it was... Sheffield United were as bad as Newcastle were good and I think both teams deserved that scoreline and it was, yeah, it was... It was one of them games where you're like, what is going on? What Like, it's just ridiculous. Um, but no, I mean, Newcastle will fancy the chances against the City side who are depleted. They're without one of the, the, the best players in Rodri. Guardiola said Walker and Diaz have played too much football at the moment. They're not going to play. Um, even your likes of Grealish and potentially Kovacic, they're coming back from injury. So are they going to play too much? Guardiola said a couple of weeks ago he's going to play the kids. And uh, I'm not entirely sure who we can call up from the academy, but we might see some some new names. And it's, uh, it's not going to be a familiar city side. And um, I can, while I don't think he's going to play a team entirely full of academy players I can also see him not prioritising this game however difficult Newcastle will be yeah um, but it's still a trophy isn't it Joe Mm -hmm. and it's still it's still we're talking about the amount of haul that City can get this season and we're talking about improving on last season and when you put it into that context this trophy is still a big one for Pep Guardiola and Man City there was a comment that I've not got to hand, but Guardiola basically said he can't prioritise the League Cup given all everything that's gone on. He said it after the, the game on Saturday and it's a bit of a departure from what we know with Guardiola and the Carabao Cup. They won four in a row and they always used it to get that appetite for winning trophies, learn how to go through the latter rounds of these knockout competitions and, and play these pressured finals. And... I don't think City win all the trophies they've won without those Carabao Cups. And we also think of the quote from, I think it was Foden or Grealish, and they they said the pair of them sat down after all the the parties and treble parades died down and said, how do we get that high again? And they settled on the fact that they need to get four. It's not just the the treble they want, they want the quadruple. So to do that, you've got to win the, the Carabao Cup and you've got to win those difficult early rounds. Now City played Liverpool and Chelsea and, and Arsenal in the early rounds of the, the the two domestic cups last season and got through them, but they played a relatively strong side. I think if however much Guardiola wants to to rotate his squad and can't afford if he likes to to play some of his senior players, if he's looking at the sort of the bigger picture at the end of the season, he's got to go relatively strong and, and try and win this game. And um yeah, I mean City beat Newcastle fairly comfortably you'd say at the the start of the season but Newcastle are now a bit more in form than they were then and City have a couple a couple fewer players so I'm 
I'm really interested to see what side he picks, what side Newcastle pick and how they approach it because it might be one that you can write off now given all the injuries, but in the bigger picture towards the end of the season, City's quadruple hopes or ambitions would could be over on Wednesday night and that's quite early. Gonna push you for a score prediction before we end. Um I think it'll go to penalties and then I've got no idea. I I really I I'm not sure City are going to win it just because of the the noises Guardiola's been making. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of the team that he can put out. If he's thinking of resting Diaz and, and Walker and your likes of Kovacic and Grealish might not start, is it a game where you rest Haaland? But then who who else do you bring in? As I say from the academy, I don't think there's many, many players ready and the academy to have a big game in the EFL Trophy at Barnsley on Tuesday. So you might have to sacrifice a couple from there if you want to call them up the next day it's it is going to be tricky so I think 1-1 and then penalties but that is being a little bit optimistic for City I'd love to see an Oscar Bob start do you know what I think this could be one where players like like Bob and Lewis and 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 the, the, it opens up for him doesn't it because if Foden is needed perhaps inside or you rest Haaland and Alvarez is playing further forward Foden's in a number 10 um, there is a space for Oscar Bob and I mean I think he'd, he'd relish a, a game in uh, against Dan Byrne who's a very good defender but not a sort of a traditional left back I think Bob against Byrne could be a, a good a good matchup so um, yeah I think I think that's the kind of player we're going to see Sergio Gomez found, that kind of I think we've just found the title of the podcast there Bob versus Byrne <laughs> yeah do, do you know what it's a sort of a a, a, a mixture of, of styles, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, although I was watching Dan Byrne yesterday, I actually can't believe for his, I know it sounds ridiculous, but for his height, how much he's bombing down that left that left side, it's truly impressive. He's a very... And he's got a very, decent ball on him as well, a decent cross, so... He's got, yeah, he's got a very good... Maybe him off too soon. <laughs> yeah, very good engine on him, but yeah, Oscar Bob's definitely what I'd like to see. Well, Joe, we've... We've, I don't think we've got a score prediction right all season, so you've gone with, I'm um, presuming, City on penalties. Um, and on, I'll, I'll give City the win. Yeah, I think it's going to be a really close 1-0 City win, and, and they're absolutely being battered at the end by Newcastle pressure, but I think they'll hold out. An early set-piece goal, I think, by someone, but um, we'll leave it there, mate. But really appreciate you coming by. Guys, thank you so much uh, for your support on the Talking City podcast. Uh, we're getting Joe, we're getting Simon down uh, sometimes twice a week, if your name is Joe Bray, and uh, you guys are thoroughly enjoying it, so we really appreciate it. If you are watching this on YouTube, give us a like, comment, and make sure you subscribe as always. If you're uh, listening on, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, we're, we're universal at this moment in time, leave us a five-star rating. Guys, it's been an absolute pleasure, and we will see you in a bit. Cheers. Cheers.